Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio with your hosts, Anthony and Amy Russo. Grace and Peace Radio is a weekly Christian podcast where together we'll discuss how we can apply God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. All right, here we are. Welcome once again, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to episode 80. Really? Of Grace and Peace Radio. Yes. Wow. Episode 80. Uh, so we uh, we praise the Lord for that. Uh, that's that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for, for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about church history. So we'll jump into that in a little bit. Yep. Uh, we've got some cool things to talk about. Number one, the very fact that we're here and we're alive means that we made it through teaching the kids last week. Exactly. So we're going to give you a quick update on that and how that went. Thought of a new segment that we're going to do, and it's going to be called What Verse and Why? What Verse and Why? That's coming up. And then we'll dive into church history and talk about why should we be reading it? What are some ideas for reading it? Why Some should the, we understand it? Exactly. Why should we understand it? So we'll talk about all of that. So we've got a lot to cover, so we're going to get right into it. And by the way, I am your host, Anthony. And I am your co-host, Amy. Yep. So we are glad you are with us today. All right. So first of all, we're alive. Yes, we survived. We survived. We, If you listened to last week's episode, we told you we were we were going to be teaching the kids that night, mm-hmm. which is not something we normally do. And no. we don't even have kids. So there's this whole relating to them thing that we just don't. Just kind of cock our head and like, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> but how do you think it went? I thought it went great. I exactly. thought it went great. You know, by God's grace and another couple who was with us that... Uh, just the moral support alone was excellent. So oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Yeah, it, it really was, it was fun. It, and actually the kids were great. They were. They were They were very interactive. They were very willing to answer questions and relate. Yep. So that helped. Yep. And these were kids that were, what, everywhere from... Five was the youngest one to about 11. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And specifically, we were talking about Jesus on the cross about the crucifixion. So mm-hmm. really not an easy topic to dive into with kids, especially kids that you're not familiar with, or, and they're not familiar with you. I mean, right. it's a pretty heavy duty topic. Mm-hmm. But again, the Lord gave grace and... Uh, and the kids did great. The kids did great. So mm-hmm. they, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And they, uh, kudos to the parents, because, you know, these kids gave some really good answers. They really did. You're right. That, yeah. that means they're getting... They're getting a lot of this at home, right. and it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's the kids' update. So now we want to do this new segment. What verse and why? So I here's like here's how it goes. And I'm making this all up on the fly. <laughs> Something unusual. I know. Right? <laughs> We're going to take just a couple of minutes and talk about a verse or two uh, that we read this week, each of us read this week, that jumped out at us, that just was kind of noteworthy. So, Amy, would you like to kick us off on the inaugural installment of what verse and why? Sure. It was just interesting. This happened actually yesterday. 
I was making the bed, and you've got a book on your nightstand that is the biography of, is that Chinese pastor? Right. Yeah. Okay. I haven't read it yet, so obviously I'm not familiar with the book. But the point being, handwritten on the outside on the cover, it said 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what verse that is. So that was the first thing I did was I looked that up. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible this year. It's been a rough week at work, so this was exceedingly appropriate. So 1 Corinthians 15, 58, out of the NASB, says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Excellent. And it just was, it was just what the Lord gave me yesterday that I... I definitely needed. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That even in the the mundane, the difficult aspects of your job, your labors are not in vain. Mm-hmm. They're for the Lord. That's that's great. Yeah, it was very, very good. And see, that that's a blessing that you wouldn't have gotten had I gone ahead and made the bed. Yeah, that's, babe, I suppose you could put it that way, yes. That's why, really, when I don't make the bed, I'm serving you. Mm-hmm. You keep believing that. So, that's my theory, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> One of many theories you have. That's right. <laughs> Next week, Amy's going to share a verse from when I didn't do the dishes. <laughs> so... Um. Uh, so this week I was reading through James and there were, I'm going to cite two verses because they both mention the same phrase. So they're related. Uh, in James 1, 25 and 2, 12, it says in 1, 25, it says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And then in 2.12, James says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Okay. So that kind of jumped out at me. that mm-hmm. I, I hadn't noticed that before. This whole idea that the law that gives freedom. It's an oxymoron. One of those jumbo really shrimp is. kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> and then as I thought about it, and I thought, you know, it's interesting because the world says freedom equals no laws. Right. And the Christian, but the Christian lives according to what God says which is freedom equals submitting under God's righteous law. So again, we as Christians have a totally different worldview world yep, mm-hmm. than, than the world. And then I, if you take this into a practical application as well, if we're going to name names, I guess is another way to say it, the world says freedom equals no laws. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, the Antifa Marxist 
crowd and the libertarian crowd are really no different. In that aspect. Because the libertarians are pretty much like, hey, live and let live. The Marxists are like all about anarchy, no Mm -hmm. law. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that in that regard, they're really in the same camp and they'd never, ever consider themselves to be that way. Oh, heavens, no. But without the Lord, without submitting to the Lord's laws, the law that gives freedom, Mm -hmm. every group is in the same camp. That's true. So... That's true. That was just interesting. No, I think it was interesting. And it's also, I think, ties in with um, being a bondservant to Christ, Mm -hmm. a slave to Christ. Yes, exactly. That we have, we are a slave to Christ and no longer a slave to sin, Mm -hmm. but we have more freedom in Christ, if that makes sense. Exactly. In fact, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you touched on that, in James 2, 7, he says, Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Mm-hmm. And again, we belong to Jesus. You know, we're slaves to Jesus. Elsewhere, and I forget where it is, but uh, you were bought with a price. Absolutely. We are ransomed. Right. So, so there you go. What verse and why? There you go. So today... We were like, well, what do you want to talk about? And Amy says... Church history. Church history. She's been she's been itching to do a church history episode. And so I said, okay, let's do it. So I come out to the kitchen table, a.k.a. the Grace and Peace Radio Recording Studios. Yes, exactly. And Amy's got... First of all, I can't find two books that I wanted to <laughs> highlight. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, Amy's already pulled them out. So Amy's got two books there. So while she's off doing something else, I go and pull a few other books and I grab two, four, six, eight, ten books and stack them up against her too. Now, to fill out the visual for folks, my two books are together about an inch thick. Right. And I've got about a 14-inch stack here, if exactly. not more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So she she comes around the corner, and she sees this stack of books, and she's like, whoa. <laughs> so I said, I don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, that is true. It's just how I roll. So. <laughs> no, but uh, and I'm not going to cover all of these books. No. They're, they're, they were there. They're really just reminders for me is all they are. Right. So. Anyway, uh, but it was just kind of funny to, to see the it was. stack of books that we pulled out. Not sure if you've had a chance to read much church history, listeners. Maybe you have, maybe you love it. I know I didn't really get too into it until I was probably a Christian for, I don't know, five, six, seven years before I really understood the importance of reading church history. And even then, I don't think I really understood it until my last year or two Mm -hmm. finishing up my seminary degree just in like 2018 2019 when i had to take church history finally and then suddenly it it all opened up to me i mean it was almost like one of those experiences of the people who are colorblind and they're given those glasses Mm -hmm. and suddenly the whole world is different going through those two courses those two semesters and understanding church history and seeing the whole panoramic 
picture of it, it it blew me away. I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then that's how I got into it because you were, you know, you were sharing bits and pieces with me. Then you gave me the, uh, well, they're not really Cliff Notes version, but the two books that I have, the condensed versions of these um, two books that I, that I pulled out that I loved them. It was great. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of like the, the um, biographies that your mom mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting biographies of heroes of the faith mm-hmm. kind of thing, but in a condensed version. Exactly. Let me ask you a question, Amy. Since you brought up this topic, why church history? Why should we be reading church history? My first thought was the fact that I learned more about how the Catholic Church and its history before the Reformation. And I realized how important that is to really understand where it went off the rails, you know, from the early Church Fathers into Catholicism. And not beating up, you know, the Catholic Church, that's not my point, because when I also got to thinking about it, the other parts of church history, it's important, regardless of denomination, to understand where the history has come from, because people are people. And people have not done things correctly. Things that people have not done things biblically, but they have done things saying that they're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Even the most solid Christians have their faults, have their flaws. Absolutely. And you see that a lot in church history. I would say another reason that I think it's important to read church history is as believers, it's our history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I don't have genealogy to go back and look at, you know, I don't have a way to really get into that and ask a lot of people. And so I don't really know beyond my grandparents, but this is my grandfathers and grandmothers. and Exactly. This is our family. Yeah. I mean, really, even if you're reading the Bible and you're reading about Abraham or you're go back even further and reading about Abel. These are your spiritual ancestors. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. And you talk about biographies, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. I think a third reason that it's important to read church history, and I'm not saying we have to be historians. No, because I'm not. I just enjoy reading it. Right. But I think at some point in our life, whether we read a condensed church history or a bigger book, at some point, it's worth getting the idea of the timelines of everything. Exactly. Absolutely. To get at least get that, that again, that sweeping panoramic picture mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Because before my church history classes, it was all just a, a gumbo of church history. It's mm-hmm. a good word for it. You know, there was, uh, there were, yeah, I knew about Augustine, I knew about Athanasius, I knew about Luther, but I mean, everybody's all lumped together and I just didn't understand the flow of the timeline, but I think it really does help. And related to all that, the reason that I was going to give was 
every false teaching that exists now has its origins and is just a repackaging of the heresies that came about earlier in church history. Right, because as human beings, we're not that creative, <laughs> right. honestly. Right. Well, and and Satan has only so many ways that he can twist the truth. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's the, like, for instance, the 18th century German liberalism, Albert Schweitzer, the, the search for the historic Jesus, all these things that tried to remove the divinity, the deity of Christ, the miracles, the supernatural things, you know, and make them into just moral stories and all that was, I mean, people were debating and and saying that Jesus wasn't God. Well, even when he walked the earth, but, mm-hmm. you know, certainly mm-hmm. in the early church and so forth and, and after. So, anyway. Well, there is something, you know, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. But even the, like the false teachings within Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, all of these, the Catholics are they. They have their origins earlier in church history. Right. Oneness Pentecostalism, denial of the Trinity, all, all of these things. So you see, oh, that's where this mm-hmm. came from. I mean, if you want to think of a modern analogy, it's like it's like only knowing Star Wars, episode four, the the first Star Wars in 1977. And then suddenly you go back and torture yourself, really, with the prequels, <laughs> but then you begin to see the, the beginnings of Darth Vader. Right, right. Oh, now I... Okay, well, it's the same thing with these heresies. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand, okay, well, this is a false teacher. You know, this is a, a, a false teaching, but then you go back and you look in church history and you see the origin of it. Yeah, and it's fascinating to say, oh, that's when that started. Right. Yeah, really... Those were the light bulb moments as I was, as I was reading, um, reading the church history when you were doing your, your classes. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about we talk about why church history. Mm-hmm. Imagine our listeners are going, yeah, but where do I even begin? I mean, church history is massive. I mm. mean, you just pulled out in two seconds flat a two foot stack of books. Where do I even begin? What what church history can someone begin to dive into? Well, I would recommend my little one-inch grouping here. Which is? It comes from the Chapel Library, and I have no idea where you got these. Probably. Which is down in Florida. Anyway, it's, it's called uh, A Glorious Institution, The Church in History, by Stanford... Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. And it's two, well, they're books, but they're small books. The one that Anth happens to have in his hand is parts one and two, and then there's a parts three and four. And like three and four covers the Reformation and its aftermath, the church in the modern age, and obviously the one that Anth happens to have in his hand as he's looking for the address. Is... Uh, part one, uh, part one and two. When the church was young, AD thirty three to seven fifty four, and the church in the Middle Ages, AD seven fifty four to fifteen seventeen. By the way, it's mountzion.org. Just look up Chapel Library. And yeah, you'll find, it. you'll find it. I'm not even sure these are still in print. You might be able to get them. You might be able to get them as PDFs. But anyway, 
they're they are great overviews of church history if you're they, interested they really are without i mean obviously you can get into it more if you by looking up other books if you want more detail but if you if you want the as you like to say the thirty thousand foot view these are excellent and it was actually i thought really very engaging so i like yeah. both of them you know the old illustration how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time right exactly right? i thought of a couple of different ways that a person can eat the elephant of church history one bite at a time. You can read wide general church history like we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Get yourself a thin, simplified survey of church history. And you can just read kind of the whole survey of it. So there's that version or that, that way to do it. Another way to do it is specific history. Find a bit of church history that interests you Mm -hmm. and read more about it. And for example, I've got a book that I've been meaning to get to, Imprisoned Preachers and Religious Liberty in Virginia. It's a, I guess, a deep dive really into, believe it or not, the religious persecution of Baptists in Virginia, in the colonial era. Mm-hmm. And here again, it's another example of biblical Christians who were well-meaning, in this case it was Presbyterians, who loved the Lord, but they persecuted Baptists. Right. And the same thing happened up in New England as mm-hmm. well. But the point is, so that so this is a deep dive of a specific part of history. You might read something about Christians in China. I I don't know, something like that. Sure. So that's another one. Uh, Biography. You know, as you're reading a Christian biography, you are getting history. You're reading about what that man or woman was going through in the time that they lived. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got, I'm looking at two biographies. And again, like, like I said, the stack of books was really just so I could look at them and remember, oh yeah. One of them is a book I love, uh, A Stone Made Smooth, the story of Wang Ming Dao, a pastor in 1920s, 30s, 40s, China. Mm-hmm. And love that book. And again, tells about what it was like to be a, a Christian in the, in those turbulent days in in China. Another one is The Gospel in Bonds by Gorge Vins. And that one talks about being a Christian in Soviet, you know, in, in the Soviet Union, in, in communist uh, Russia, and what that was like, and being in the gulag and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, so you learn church history and what your brothers and sisters in the faith went through in those biographies. Yeah. And like when I was reading Elizabeth Prentice, I got from her viewpoint what was going on mm-hmm. in that time frame. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Missions. You know, we talked a little bit about this, I guess, in a way, but just reading about particular missions work is a way of learning about church history. Like, for instance, years ago, 
I was amazed to learn that somewhere around the, I think it was the 600s, 600s to 1200s, I can't remember exactly where in there, I know that's kind of a big range, but that there were Christians in China, that the gospel had had been in China at that time. Well, it really wasn't until my church history class that I learned that they were Nestorians. They were, they were really an offshoot of Christians. They weren't biblical Christians. They were, uh, they, they had some false doctrines. Well, anyway, so, but the point is they, they were zealous about getting the gospel out. They just had a misunderstanding of the gospel. But anyway, um, another book I picked up at a thrift store was a century of Baptist work in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So it was you the were whole fascinated with that. Yeah, one. yeah. You know, I mean, because if we think of missions, and we think of all the quote unquote the big names, right? right. Jim Elliot and Hudson Taylor. Hudson and... Taylor, yeah, right? And mm-hmm. but to read all of these people that really are now known but to God, exactly. And all that they went through, and you know, dealing with bandits and politics, politics and. Uh, I want to say gangs. That's not what I'm thinking of. But anyway, it's the same thing. I mean, warlords, mm-hmm. essentially, which is you know just worldwide uh, in some way, shape, or form. But anyway, reading missions, that's a form of reading church history. Another book that I've really not read yet, but there's a uh, historical theology. And I, I think it's Greg Allison. I can't remember. Somebody's listening to this going, yeah, you idiot. Yeah, it's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, anyway, it's a thick book. It's like Grudem's Systematic Theology. Oh, really? Wow. Whereas Grudem systematically walks you through our theologies. In this book, mm-hmm. it explains the historicity of how the doctrines emerged and were solidified. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. So it'll talk about Athanasius and his writings and, and what he was up against at the time in proving who Christ was. So there's historical theology. Martyrs. Every Christian should read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stories in there are just unreal of what every every day, ordinary, you and me Christians Mm -hmm. went through Mm -hmm. to hold fast to their faith. There was another book that came out in the 80s, I think it was, called By Their Blood uh, by James and, and Marty, M-A-R-T-I, uh, Hefley, uh, husband and wife. And it really goes from the end of Fox's Book of Martyrs to the 20th century. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. You're looking at the books. So we obviously yeah, have a, it. It's a continuation of Fox's Book of Martyrs All is right. what it is. There again, that's that's church history, That a specific segment of it that you can look into. Something that I've been going through this year, and I found it at a thrift store. We've been doing the one-year Bible, NIV. Um, yeah, it's Anth- put out by Tyndale. It's the, kind of their branding of one-year yeah, books. One-year yeah. books. Well, this is the one-year Christian history. Uh, a daily glimpse into God's powerful work. And it's it's really pretty cool. Every day there's about somebody else. And it, it, it can be something in the... Actually, you know, he'll talk about Nehemiah. Uh, could be in the 1700s. Could be in the 1950s. It's It's all over the place. It's just really good. So you get little snippets of Christians 
and Christian history as a result. Neat. And then lastly, as far as diving into church history, go right to the sources. Find somebody in history and read their stuff. Mm-hmm. Read something of their stuff or or pick several people from different points of history and read their stuff. And whether, I mean, really think about it. When we read what Luke preserved in Acts, we're reading church history. We're reading a true. primary source of church history. That is true. So go back to the primary sources. Pick up a book from, or an ebook or uh, on, what is it, ccel.org. There's plenty of free, out of copyright, public domain stuff from early church fathers. You know, read Augustine, read Athanasius. Definitely. Athanasius on the Incarnation. <laughs> when you read that and you think he was 27 when he wrote that, mm-hmm. and it's a thin book, it's amazing. It is amazing. So go back to the primary sources. Read something from the reformers. Read Luther. Read, mm-hmm. you know, whomever. Um, again, you know, I finished George Whitfield's journal. Uh, so that's colonial error, great awakening. So go back to primary sources. Check, take a look at those. So those are some ways to, to do that. Let me ask you this. What We've got a few minutes left. And actually, we're probably a little bit over, but... Oh, by the way, if you read something from the modern day too, mm-hmm. that is church history. Absolutely. You read something from 10, 10 years ago during the heyday of, for instance, the young, restless, and reformed the be- or the emergent church and all mm-hmm. that was going on. That's church history. That's That was an era of church history. Mm-hmm. That's another aspect. And And be mindful of the fact that as you're reading these things and as these things are floating around in your head... This is where you you being in the word regularly helps because if something sounds plausible, but you're like, hmm, then you go back into the Bible and Mm -hmm. find out whether it's biblical or not. And we see that a lot with, uh, well, you see that even like with the Quaker movement and how that eventually kind of led into the... The Pentecostal movement, believe it mm-hmm. or not, there's a there's a connection there, and the false teachings that that really come out of that overemphasis on certain doctrines and right. whatnot. But anyway, don't want to go down that rabbit trail necessarily, but you get the idea. So let me ask you this: What's one thing maybe you've learned from church history? There are an awful lot of faithful people out there that are now with the Lord that we have no clue who they are or everything that went on with them. We just have maybe a snippet and and just the encouragement that they were faithful. They were faithful in their little part of the world, the village maybe, you know, not going out too far and... They were faithful. That's great. I've touched on a few as I go along, so I I don't. I've already kind of answered it, but I and I plus I I think I just want to leave it with that. Church history is a great encouragement and an impetus 
to us to be faithful, to, mm-hmm. to finish well, to keep going, to stay on the path and stay true to the Lord and not get thrown off by strange doctrines that have already been around the block more than once. Right. And so on. So, yeah. Great. Well, that's church history. That's so church thanks history. for so much for joining us. One of the things I do want to give a quick update, the book update, mm-hmm. Jesus Changed Everything is now available for pre-order. It is. Yeah. So praise Pretty the Lord exciting. for that. It is available. It should be available by the time you listen to this. If not, it will be soon on all the usual places, Amazon, Apple Books, Kindle, Paperback, all that, mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, whatever, you know, all those places. Anyway, uh, it should be available there by the time this comes out. It will. It's on pre-release in all, you know, in the formats, paperback and Kindle or ebook, uh, until December 1st. Mm-hmm. And then, Lord willing, December 1st is when it, it officially will drop to your phone or e-reader or whatever you got, or it'll ship. You can also go, by the way, to uh, Smashwords dot com and look it up there so that's another ebook place you can go to very excited about this it's been a long time coming and it's it's just a good book it's a good book to give to people that especially for for non-believers i i really do believe it it gives them the gospel in a loving friendly firm format how's that i like that thank you very much uh, yeah so check it out if you if you do buy it. Uh, number one, thank you. Yes. Number two, would certainly appreciate you leaving a review on Amazon, and you know, reviews are important. So, and again, if you think, hey, this would be a great gift to give away at our church, bring it up to your pastor and say, hey, you know, what do you think about? ordering this in bulk we can customize the the cover so that it's got the church logo church name on it and that's part of the reason why i i wrote the book is i want it to be something that's a a tool a resource for churches to give to visitors Mm -hmm. Uh, it's I, i love my church coffee mug don't get me wrong but how great is it that someone would come to your church hear the gospel and then leave with the gospel mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. So that's kind of the plan for that. So anyway, to God be the glory, he'll, as a Calvinist, I know that it will sell exactly however many copies the Lord ordains for it to sell. And uh, But I do pray that he uses it in the salvation, you know, in, as one step in the salvation of, you know, of calling someone to himself. Sowing the seed mm-hmm. and watering. So, yeah. So... That's it. Thank you for that. So pray for that. I appreciate that. Again, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks for being with us for episode 80. Episode 80. And uh, we will, Lord willing, we will talk to you next next week. week. God bless you. Take care. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you'll join us next time as we spend time in God's Word, looking at how we can grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service to Him. Grace and Peace Radio is honored to be a member of the Christian podcast community. It's a ministry of striving for eternity. Find more Christian podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.com. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com and on Facebook. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.